the Field Podcast, brought to you by Pheasant Bonanza. This week on the podcast, once again, we have the one and only Terrence Licklider and Austin Teeter, a.k.a. Butters. Hey, we are warming up to the nickname. I thought he was going to deny that. Now he's calling himself Butters. Love it. You win some. I don't even know who Butters is, but it's a perfect name. It is a perfect name. Better than Lunchbox. Hamburgers. (laughs) (laughs) I do miss Lunchbox. At the least, he was entertaining. I miss him having chips all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I don't eat chips. Go out, to, go out to his truck or his car. I've never. And, and it's full. The the passenger side is 100% full of the fun bags of chips. They have 30 of them of all mixed Doritos, the Cooler Ranch, the Nacho Cheese, the Cheetos, everything. Full of them. I've never seen Trent buy a bag of chips. But if you have them in the office. I will eat them. He's going to eat them. <laughs> And this was like the first three months of me working here. I jump in one of the chore trucks with Trent, and he is just double fisting two bags of chips. <laughs> Doritos? Doritos. Oh, I love Doritos. I didn't take you for a chip guy, but... Well, just keep them away from me. I'm all right. Let's get to your elk hunt. The elk hunt. New Mexico elk hunt. Okay. So the, when we left off... You were siding in your rifle. <laughs> I still need some more work. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Oh, shoot. Shooting a 1,000 yards all summer. Spot on. Working the wind. You get out in the mountains. Everything changes. Like I knew. But I wasn't prepared. Okay. So, we got to turn this into a little bit of a story. Yep. How long was this elk trip originally planned for? Five days of hunting. Five days of hunting, fly out, fly back, fly in private with our own cameraman. Correct. God, it must be nice. <laughs> it, it was an, it was actually Sam, our uh, the camera guy. Uh, it was his first time flying private, and he just he just smiles the whole time. He said, "This is spoiling me." I said, "Don't get used to it." <laughs> so, on a private, like, is there? Uh, what do, uh, what do they call them? Flight attendants. Did you have a flight attendant? If you have more than uh, 10, I think you have to have a flight attendant. But, no, we were – there was three of us. We have two pilots. It was just a – it was a citation jet, so it was a two-pilot jet. Um, Mr. Ron uh, Cornwell uh, chartered it, and I pitched in a little bit, but he pitched in a big, big chunk of it. So uh, it was uh, it was very convenient. It was awesome. I mean, we'll we'll end up ending on that because that's how we got everything home. But uh, we flew out on Friday morning at nine o'clock, and we sighted in our rifles that evening. Where did hold on? Where did you find this hunt at? Outdoor solutions. Oh yeah, we did say that. All right, you found it on Outdoor Solutions. Yep. Actually, I was looking at Hosted Hunts Outdoor Solutions. Those are two uh, loyal customers of ours. I wanted to give them a shot at it. This one just ended up being a cancellation. Obviously, I didn't get any discount on it, but it was still just a little bit better chance to get a bigger bull. And then uh, some of the Colorado and uh, some of those other smaller um, bull elk hunts. We didn't want a raghorn. 
I didn't want a raghorn. Not not for. Uh, I, I've shot a cow elk. I think I mentioned that last time. But anyways, getting back to the story. Um, Friday night, we sighted in rifles. Shot at two hundred. Had to make some more adjustment. On How Friday many boxes night. of shells did you bring down? I brought three. <laughs> <laughs> I would have only brought one. But, he was uh, feeling confident. I brought three. I, you, know, you, just, you just never know. I mean, what if, right? What if we have a crash landing on a plane and my gun gets all um, beat up like it did in a truck driving around for rifle season? I mean, I, you just never know. So, uh, anyways, uh, me and or, uh, Ron and I, we both had to uh, make a couple adjustments. Uh, we were like 8,000 feet elevation so i i honestly don't know uh, what the story was there but we moved uh, over a little bit at 200 um like six eight clicks and right. made me a little nervous but we got on we we're spot on hold on i'm not moa proficient yet <clears throat> 68 clicks austin how far was he off at 200 at 200 he would have been about three inches Two and a half, three inches off. So yeah, a quarter. Um, so like a four had been two inches for each four, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But okay. uh, we were we were a little bit off uh, the left and right. Elevation was pretty good um, as far as up and down. But anyways, uh, got sighted in. We went out scouting. Did not see anything that evening, which uh, kind of made the guide a little bit uh, anxious. I would say he's like, "Oh, they're usually here, you know, by this time, and they come down to the valleys." And so we had our spotting scopes. We're out looking, and uh, all on foot, uh, vehicle, and then foot. Yes. So you can. Uh, we were in public land. I believe they call it the forest there. We're on public land. You have driving uh, paths, but then once you get off the driving path you're supposed to walk or you could do horseback uh, we didn't have any horses so we were walking not a far walk uh, we we're just stepping outside and kind of glassing uh, it started to get cold that evening i'm in the back of a truck very underdressed and uh, realized at this point i need to prepare the next morning for a little bit colder trip how cold uh, it was down to in the single digits Ooh, that, that evening that is cold um, that morning was uh, like five degrees. We went, um, did a, we waited at a gate. It was just kind of an interesting story. So he wanted to get there first, right? Because uh, it's public, so anybody can go in. He goes, we need to be the first ones there. So we we drive there. It's about uh, forty five minutes from our um, our cabin, and we get there, and there's somebody else there, and he's just like blankety 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 blank. Okay, I see how this is going to go. But uh, anyways, he uh, he went up there and talked to him. Come to find out, he told this guy and his boy to come out there. So <laughs> he knew him. Um, we were kind of on a, not a party hunt, but it was kind of a good deal. So we were hunting with him. So it went pretty good. Um, we waited there till we could see, and it was about 15 minutes past shooting time in the morning, and we drove through, and those same areas that he thought would be full of elk did not have any elk. So I'm thinking, hmm, this is, uh, this is you know, he, he was very optimistic about uh, seeing elk in those valleys. And so we wound all the way around and went up this, uh, this mountain road, got up there, and he says, we are going to walk from here. Okay. 
hey, we, we just didn't know. Like, do we take our packs? Do we not take our packs? Take the bipods, take the, you know, all that good stuff. So we ended up uh, taking the old uh, Death Grip Bog Pog up there, and we took uh, um, our packs as well. And I found out I am not in mountain shape. And that is scary. Uh, so five degrees. The biggest thing was uh, the cold. It was so cold. Uh, the air was crisp. I could just, and you know, we're breathing hard walking up. We are literally going up probably a, a 45 uh, degree incline. It was uh, 40, 45. It was steep. And uh, right away, huffing and puffing, and you could just feel your lungs just burning. And then that cold air, I'm sitting there trying to put my. Uh, my uh scarf not my scarf but my uh gator up trying to warm the air a little bit and uh ron comes up behind me he's in great shape for uh, especially for his age uh and he comes up to me he goes how you doing i said thin air he said very thin air <laughs> so we took a moment moment and uh our guide who you would think uh, you know he's he's a uh, um uh, you know, it looks like he's in decent shape, but you know, had a belly and everything like that. But he just whoop, straight up that mountain, and uh, we were we were sucking hind tip behind it. <laughs> the show muscles don't don't, don't work. For oh man, the show muscles uh, they weigh you down, but they do help when you're carrying out the elk. That's, I did find that out. That's, a little bit wider shoulders to put more meat on. So, um, getting to the story here, we go to this top of this uh, mountain. And he had a good idea where the elk would be, and he has an unbelievable um, sense of his just seeing and just knowing kind of where they were. I'm sure he's hunted this many, many times. We get up there, and we walk this ridge, and he's like, they're usually around this corner. We go around these big rocks, and sure enough, there's a herd of uh, herd of elk right there. And they're about 800 to 1,000 yards off. I'm like, Where? You know, just, I have good eyes, but just not looking for that. He goes, look for the gold. Look for the gold. And you start looking for gold, and, man, they just, with the sun shining on them, they just glow. And started to kind of pick up what he was looking for. And uh, we get up there, and we see one little spike. And Ron and I both said, no, we're not shooting a spike. So we move on. We go down about. How, how many elk were in that first herd? Uh, about six. One spike and the rest that we could tell were all cows. Now, come to find out later on, we find out that we probably missed a lot of them. You know, just the way that they lay down. And, and even when I shot mine, you, you saw that one pop up. We never saw that elk. Same thing happened with Ron when he shot his. One popped up that we never saw. So it's hard to really tell, um, especially at the distance we were shooting at. Uh, so anyways, we go down the ridge about another 200 yards. And he sets up. He goes, hey, we, there's another one. And we sit down. We get out the uh, spotting scope, binoculars. I get the bog pog set up. And uh, I looked at it. It was uh, a little bit thinner. It was a uh, 5x5. And uh, he said, uh, do you want it? And I said, I would like to wait for a, a bigger one. He said. Uh, the guy just has to be like, God, well. One yeah, he's going, guys. oh, please, please. One of these guys just chasing the tape. Come on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, anyways, uh, I asked Ron, I said, what do you think? He goes, what's the yardage? I said, 853. That's all he cared about. He said, I want it. <laughs> That's and, all he and, cared and, about. And Ron, uh, Ron Cornwell has been shooting with me all summer. He wanted to shoot this year a deer season. He wanted to shoot a deer. Didn't care what it was. Over 700 yards. 
and there's only two of our blinds out of all the blinds we have that you can shoot over 700 yards. So he didn't end up uh, getting that goal, but he did get it with the elk. And so he set up with the bog pog. And, uh, okay, you keep saying bog pog. What is that? It was a, It's a tripod. It's not as light as I thought, but I did get the carbon fiber one, not the aluminum one. And uh, it has a death grip uh, clamp on the top of it that really pinches your rifle. It's it's uh, honestly really amazing. I love the death grip part of it, just the way that you uh, squeeze down your gun. And then it's nice just having the three, um, the try for the uh, stability, you know be stable when you're up there uh we sat on a uh, when ron shot his he was seated and just had those legs out you know about two and a half feet and so he was able to just sit right up to it and put the gun on there almost like a bench rest it was pretty cool so anyways uh he goes 853 yards elk is laying down everyone says take your time you know see the bullet hit the hit the elk boom um went high and uh wasn't quite sure he didn't know if it was him or so we said shoot again uh boom and he shoots probably a foot and a half maybe two foot high what was the angle uh we were shooting downhill at this point we're shooting down so we actually adjusted a little bit on the on the uh, yardage um instead of doing 850 we went down to i believe it was like 825 probably not enough and uh so anyways in my rangefinder and theirs did not either didn't show us the drop or you know as far as like elevation it didn't say any of that we were guessing on that end and there was a slight breeze uh, but it was he was pretty much dead on left and right it was just a little high and so then anyways he uh, he took uh that second shot and he's just barely high we moved him down just a little bit because the elk moved at he, all he just stood up at this point just stood up and he's turning his head left and right and the guide says shoot for the head shoot for the head and what he, the guide said he said shoot for the head the reason he said shoot for the head is the way he was sitting or standing excuse me he was kind of quartered into us and if he would shoot for the head he was going to hit vitals all the way through okay it was just the way that the position was, yeah. Gotcha. Kind of a quartering towards us. Quartering. Um, so anyways, he goes, shoot for the head. And Ron would even tell you this. I, I shot for that area, but he drilled the elk right behind the ear. <laughs> and it went down through um, the, the neck, and then it tore up his vitals. I mean, it was like, it was just amazing. Hmm. 853 yard, this elk just dropped. Okay, so then we're there, and we're all like, oh, we're hooting and hollering. It's like, yes, you know, so excited. And the other guy, uh, we called him Doyle. He's a little cowboy that does uh, uh, Bronx and all that good stuff. He goes, hey, he got up. He got up and left. And this was a different elk, but at the time, we were like, oh. We all froze and went right back to our binos and the spotting scopes. We're like, oh, no. And we saw him running away because he came right from the same area. Ron's heart just Ron, we were just like, well, because he had that happen last year with a 6.5 Creedmoor. He shot one, dropped, and it got up and ran away. An elk? No, a a deer. deer. So it was almost like deja vu for him. So we go, and we at this point, 
we didn't know now is we couldn't see where it dropped if he was still there but i'm telling you what i was very surprised that the way that that elk dropped that it would have got up but at this point we didn't know this other elk was right within this uh, same area like within a cedar tree takes off running and we thought maybe that was his elk so we bigger it was uh no small it was actually about the same size okay that's good um they said it was bigger but i looked at the video i think it's about the same size so we go back down the mountain which down the mountain i can do all day long <laughs> all day long get me up so ski lift me up there i can get up and then i'll go back down Trenton all day Mount- long Trenton mountain shape as long as he's going down, down. Down. <laughs> yeah, downhill, yeah. Um, so getting back to that we go down to the trucks uh we have to go all the way around the mountain to get on the other side which we just drove through okay and uh here we go again uh we stop we get out we get our packs and at this point i've never packed out an elk so this is like all new to me this is kind of getting fun i'm like what do we take and i took everything well these guys are smart they take their little their little frames they have their um stuff to build a fire and they have their knives and stuff well i i'm glad i took everything but they they have just their knives um some bags and stuff like that and then stuff to start a fire and their frame their pack frame i had i had everything if we got stuck up there for two three days we were we were just fine <laughs> i had my water filter i had everything to build a fire like you can't believe it. i had my blankets i had all the bags i had every knife uh that you could think of that we would need <laughs> all the extra blades everything and it did work out helping us out but i tell you what i was carrying an extra 15 extra pounds that i should not have so we go up one mountain back down and then back up back down and then back up to get to ron's elk just the way that it played out couldn't drive because the sage is so tall that uh you would just it would tear up your undercarriage of your vehicle so we get up there and uh we get up to where the area is and again it is it is hard work getting up those mountains and uh i huffed and puffed again and i will be in better shape next time i do this okay so you get up to his elk what was Ron's reaction once you found the elk? Because well, here, you guys know if it ran off or not at this point, or did you guys just cheat and go back to the footage? Nope, we did not. We didn't go to the footage. We actually didn't have the footage because it was on the big camera. Okay. We didn't have the cell phone like on mine. So we get up there, and uh, Doyle uh, gets up there. He's a mountain goat. He gets uh, flying up there, and he goes, good news, he's down. And so we set up the camera guy and got everything up there. It was like a wedding with first sight with Ron Cena. It was pretty emotional, you know. But anyways, his elk dropped just like a rock and hit a cedar tree and actually tore up uh, its hide a little bit because it, hit, it just dropped so hard. But you could not see that from the mountain that we were at. And uh, we started a fire, um, quartered it out, packed it down. Uh, again, downhill, I'm good. What so, a, <laughs> what quarter did you get? I took, um, on this one, I believe I had the back quarter. I had a back quarter because Ron had slab meat, uh, neck meat, and I'm saying slab like uh, uh, brisket, all that good stuff. And then he took the, the cape and the mm-hmm. antlers down i took a quarter and uh, it was very nice we had four guides or excuse me three guides and then ron and i so we were able to pack everything out got it all down if we wouldn't have had those guys we would not have shot my elk that evening 
because it was just um oh this was all i didn't know this was on one day on one day this is saturday morning so we're done uh right before noon go back to the cabin uh drop our stuff off and then we go right back out for my hunt went out for my hunt and we're driving around same same area and he sees uh he sees a bull up in the mountains uh, about 2200 uh yards I didn't feel comfortable shooting 2,200 yards. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just crazy. It's the bulls laying down, and our guide spots it up in the in the mountains. And we're talking uh, 2,200 yards. High up. Well, he, he, spotted, he spotted it with his spotting scope. But you, So you guys, how often would you guys just park in glass? Yeah, about every half mile. Okay. Just park and then just get out, and he had... Uh, he had a spotting scope up on a tripod, and he'd put it there, and it was just crazy. I mean, it's like he knew what to look for. We did not. Uh, he sees this elk. He goes, hey, would you look at this elk real quick? I found one. Uh, is this something that you'd like to shoot? And I looked at it. I could tell it was a 6x6. Six six. It was a little lighter than I wanted uh, from that distance. It's hard to tell, but I could just tell a little skinny on the antlers, but he was a huge-bodied elk. And I said I would shoot him. He goes, what do you feel comfortable? I said, get me within six to eight hundred yards. Same kind of deal. And uh, does is did you ask him is like is that average for? Shooting? No, 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 no. So Ron's shot was the longest confirmed kill they've ever had. They shot eighty five elk this year. They shoot a ton of elk. So that was pretty cool. And they've been doing this for a long time. It was pretty cool. So did the guides throw you in? Like, were they into it? Or like, yeah, let's let's do this long long range? Uh, no, he goes, uh, it, it's going to work best that we're within six to 700 yards the way that the cover was. So we hightailed it across this sage field. Um, I say sage field. It's a open pasture with a bunch of sagebrush. sagebrush. And we go to one gr- uh, one fence line, a creek. We go across a large um, open field, which we didn't want to set up in the open because we have so many people. Mm-hmm. And we literally were in like a one-line, single profile, just hightailing it through this field as fast as we can walk. And I felt like I was running. I was jogging, short little legs, you know. Chup, chup, chup. <laughs> and uh, we get up into this uh, little foothill, I call it, and we get up in this foothill, and we go about another 250, 300 yards um, right in there, and he sets us up on a bag. I shot up up a hill, um, up a mountain, I should say, and uh, 603 yards. It took uh, my myself three shots as well. All right, walk through it like runs. All right, so uh, we're sitting there. Elk's laying down, which I doesn't make much sense, but for some reason it kind of plays head games with you when something's laying oh, yeah. down. You just don't have, you don't feel like you have as big a target. Laying down, um, I shoot a little high. Me and my uh, guide, um, Anthony Jr., we, we were kind of arguing a little bit back and forth on it. What distance? Okay. Um, he goes, do this. I said, uh, I'd like to go this. I said, you know what? He's the guide. I'm going to let him do it. So we crank it up. Um, we went to uh, six. Since we were going uphill, I believe we were like 653 on uh, on my elevation is what I was planning for. And uh, my first shot, shoot, I could tell I was, I was high, um, quite a bit high. Are you serious? Butters. Oh, and you wonder why you got this nickname. <laughs> He's dropping the mic over he, here. He just dropped his headphones. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, okay. So I, I take my first shot, and uh, I'm high. I'm significantly high. And so I, I uh, look at him. He goes, let's go down. We move down just a little bit, and uh, 
boom, I shoot, and I literally almost hit his head. Like, if you, when I'll play the video sometime, I'll put it up. It looked like I nicked his horn, like the base of his horn. That's how close it was. I guarantee the percussion, it made him stand up quick. Um, um, you know, he kind of ducked there after that deal. And uh, then my third shot, he's uh, standing up at this point. He's down kind of uh, grazing or full sneak looking, uh, standing there, and boom, I hit him high lung. It looked like a spine shot on the uh, video, but it was actually just a very high lung and uh, dropped him like a rock. So we, we adjusted down. He actually just took my turret and just went, wing. Like <laughs> I was like, oh, what you movie? Just shoot him. Just shoot him. <laughs> and uh, it worked. <laughs> you know, it worked. But, uh, you know, they do this stuff all the time. And um, shooting uphill, it played a little bit of games with us. The wind was um, obviously a little bit of a factor, S6, but not a, not a huge deal. Did you have a double windage? Or what do you call that, butters? No. Crosswind. Crosswind. A, a double crosswind did not uh but one thing that i just you like you said jace last uh, podcast training for elk you really need to make like a hundred yard dash or walk up these hills and then try to get your heart rate down get your heart rate down and pull that trigger you know because that's where it's after we did that long walk i mean we walked almost a three quarters of a mile we're walking you know through up and down up and down and then you get to where you're going you're just like you got to breathe you know, breathe and steady because your heart's beating and your gun's moving. Were you shaking? No, I wasn't shaking. I was just, just trying to. I was just trying to breathe and just really get some good air. But I'm telling you, it's just different air than than what we're used to. So it it took just a little bit to adjust to that. But no, I wasn't shaking. I felt good on every shot. I might have pulled a little bit on my my second shot, but I felt really confident on every shot. Um, you know, with those Gunworks guns, it's just a a great trigger. Were so, both were both of you rocking suppressors? Both of us suppressors, and that's one of the reasons I feel like we had uh, another opportunity to shoot those elk is um they were very very confused where this was coming from they didn't hear ron's first two shots at all or excuse me his first shot at all they didn't he didn't hear my first shot i he kind of looked up like what was that what something yeah, behind some, me but yeah like a bird yeah. you know it literally they have no idea where it's coming from it was so cool so yeah so anyways we both bagged it and i was when i got up to it we did the old uh first sight kind of deal like you know walk, walking down the the wedding mm -hmm. aisle and uh i was i wasn't tired going up to my elk it was kind of <laughs> funny how that I, we were way up higher and uh i wasn't near as near as tired walking up to my elk but it was getting dark at this point um we get up there and i was very impressed with the size of the animal and also uh, i was impressed with the size of the horns and the um on the rack on that guy. What you, what's your guesstimate that he's going to score? And I don't need the Brian Carl uh, guesstimate. Uh, you mean like 590? <laughs> <laughs> it won't hit 300. I'm going to guess 270 to 280. Yeah. So, just uh, uh, mass wasn't quite there, but um, good length on everything. Six by six. I'm, I'm super happy. First elk. So, um, getting back to that, we get up to the fire. Um, we start a fire and quarter mine out, go all the way down, and we have a long haul back uh, at this point. And we get back, and uh, and my camera guy even carried help carry, so that was super nice. We get back there, and Ron and I look at each other. Says like, "What do you want to do next?" And we said, "What else can we shoot?" And there weren't a lot of options, so we decided that we would call um, the service and and see if we could charter back a little early. So. We deboned our meat, 
on Sunday morning, and we were on the road by 11. Got back to Santa Fe and was home by 5.30. You put that Blair. elk. Blair. What, what, was the, what did the pilot say? All right, so Ron warned them. Um, Ron Cornwell called them and said, hey, just an FYI, we probably have 400 pounds of meat coming with, and, and there, it's elk, and we have our the, the horns as well. And they said, okay. They didn't, you know, obviously. Put um, two and two together. Right. We get there, and I was like, ah, I was prepared to cut our skulls. Um, you mean like the, our, our heads right down the, the middle? I would have just done a V. Uh, I talked to my, uh, the guy that taught me how to do taxidermy. He said, just cut a V and break the antlers, or, or excuse me, break the skull cap, and then we'll put it back together. So I was prepared to do that, but we got there, and we finagled that thing in there. And uh, we had two elks sitting on seats on this jet. <laughs> the cool thing was is uh, we had bags of uh, all this meat, like literally uh, over 400 pounds of meat. And I said, Ron, I said, Ron, we got to stop at a Walmart or something, get some cooler bags. So we bought some ten dollar uh, cooler bags. You bought a bunch of ten dollar. Yeah, bags. we had like uh, fourteen of them. I think <laughs> twelve or fourteen. I can't remember. And uh, it looked really professional. I mean, we had all those, and they put those up on uh, where where the. Um, um, passengers would have sat, so we balanced out the plane with that, and uh, it was awesome. Brought it home, and shoot, I spent a day and a half processing elk. So you had the jerky, is it good? I, it was amazing jerky. Yeah. Uh, in the process of him processing this elk, I seen him fire up the dehydrator. I think I stopped <laughs> down in the bird cleaning room like four times. He's hey, like, is it done yet? <laughs> is it done yet? <laughs> um, how long did it take you to quarter out the elk? My elk took a little bit longer. Uh, my elk was it was big. Um, I'd say a good hour and a half, hour 45, by the time we get it quartered. We lit a fire, which I didn't realize why we lit a fire. I thought at first it was like aesthetics, very mm-hmm. cool, like we do with our customers. Then I was like, oh, we dry out our gloves. We warm up before we, you know, start packing. Because, I mean, going up those mountains and stuff, when you start sweating, yeah, it gets cold once the temperature drops. So it got pretty cold on the way uh, back down that mountain. Um, but, yeah, we started the fire, and, and probably an hour 45, I'd say, would be closer. Quartered it out and then packed it down. So we were late for dinner, if that, if that makes any sense. I It happens. Did <laughs> did, did the chef understand? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was he wanted us to kill. He kept saying uh he was gonna make us a special dish if we if we uh tagged out and a special dish was a bunch of uh uh, a bunch of candy melted in the microwave, uh, and then a little bit of uh, ice cream, I think. Happened. So <laughs> that was our special dish. <laughs> what he was you, awesome. What do you got for him, Butters? Well, that's what I was just about to ask him. Um, working in a hunting lodge for a good part of your life, um, just a little bit of what you experienced on the hospitality side of things, and then uh, the chef. Oh, the chef there, <laughs> souffle, um, Chico, um, good dude. Um, it was it was neat. Uh, just a different. I love going around and just experiencing different lodges or different uh, um, outfitters and just seeing what they what they do different than what we do. I would say overall, like guides, I'd give them like a ten. You know, the guides were just so knowledgeable. They're very good. Um, in New Mexico, I'm not talking bad about the the state or anything, but there's there's just a little bit of uh, 
it's just hard to uh, I think to um, get a lot of good talent you know so I mean like it'd be hard to try to fulfill a whole lodge with with good people right away uh, the the ones that have uh, good jobs already are gonna be hard to hard to get but we were in a um, I'd say in like an upscale modular house and we had three guys to a room there was quite a few to a restroom so I wasn't expecting anything like, you know, over some endorsed or anything like that. And that's kind of exactly what I thought. But it was way better than a canvas tent out in the mountains. And it was a lot warmer. It was very comfortable. Uh, as far as uh, the chef, we uh, told him we were going to sleep in till 7 o'clock <laughs> the next morning. And that, uh, is, that is super sleeping in for Trent. Yeah, I thought we were going to sleep in uh, for 7, and we were woken up at like 4.30, which we usually wake up like 4, 4.30 anyways, because the guides want you out there by 5. Um, and so anyways, he was uh, he was very loud. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and uh, well, he woke us up, and I was like, oh, man. And uh, so anyways, I, I told Ron, I said, hey, I, I, I unless we're hunting, I'm all good for leaving today. <laughs> I just wanted, and you know, uh, Ron, I love him to death, and I'd tell him this to my face. He can snore, and he even told me I snored. So uh, I, uh, I got some things to work on too. But what was the uh, what was the saying that the chef would say at four in the morning? This is what was making me really laugh whenever you were telling this story. Uh, about the hunters, or tell no, me what he would come in and he'd say. Hey, boy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Chico, he, he, uh, that's how he, uh, that's how he, he loved himself some Sam. I don't know if they don't, they don't see a lot of blondes around there. So he was, he was, uh, giving Sam a hard time, but he's, hey, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. And I actually heard him say that, um, earlier, even that same morning. And, and I could tell he's walking down, he's a big guy. He's walking down the hallway and, Hey, boys. <laughs> Sam, Sam worried you were going to leave him? Yeah. Sam, Sam, Sam goes, whatever it is, I'm, I'm sticking with you guys. But uh, he goes, I uh, got your breakfast in the fridge. I got to leave. And I was like, why didn't he tell me that? <laughs> no. But it was fun. It was an awesome experience. Um, would I do it again? Absolutely. I'd have to save a lot more money, but I would do it again. It'd be fun. So you're not done on elk? No, I'd definitely do it again. It's uh, more of a budget. You know, it's just uh, unless I can find um, a more affordable hunt, it's just uh, it's an expensive game. You know, not just because of the um, – I found out a lot about outfitting with uh, land vouchers and outfitter tags and stuff like that. Like if you draw, you know, it's a little bit cheaper. But um, when you have to pay for a land voucher or a, an elk voucher from a landowner, it can get pretty pricey. And uh, that's kind of how the outfitters kind of monopolize their their competition. It was interesting. Very cool. Pretty, so I would do it. Pretty cutthroat industry. It is. No, this one was um, our outfitter said that he buys up uh, almost all of the available tags. Um, he was telling uh, the the son was telling us he spent three hundred and fifty thousand or more just on vouchers. On and then, so you got to buy those, and then he's got to re- then he's got to sell, sell. Yep. So I mean, it's a big gamble. So he was buying three hundred fifty plus thousand each year, and then either taking care of his hunters. 
or if he liked an outfitter, he might sell it to an outfitter. He might sell it to some private guys, whatever. But he was spending a lot of money on vouchers. Right in the area we were at, there was three different areas kind of all come together. So he's buying these in different areas so he can extend his hunting season from early all the way to late season. So do you think if you shot that elk by yourself, you could have got it off the mountain by yourself? Uh, by the next day, yeah. By the next day, it's kind of curious. I was kind of interesting. He, you know, there's a lot of cougars up there, mountain lions, and and bear. There's some a lot of bear. And he said, if we have to make a second trip, we just hang everything. And I've always seen that in the Outdoor Channel, mm-hmm. Sportsman mm-hmm. Channel, all that good stuff. But uh, I didn't really realize that early season they will hang everything and then there's a lot of uh, packing companies that'll come in with either mules or goats and they send them a they drop a pin or an onyx off onyx and uh, send them a gps coordinate and they'll go uh, do it for a fee and so they can continue to hunt where late season those packing companies aren't as available and we had enough guys that we could just do it on our own but otherwise you might spend all day long packing out your elk i mean that's the big thing like on mine i'm doing a drop camp we're going with five guys yep if someone shoots a bull everyone's hunt is mm-hmm. done till we get this elk off the mountain where if we go with drop camp it's the same thing we tell the cowboys yeah we put we put it in this tree they come get it get it off the mountain they do that they will do that yeah yeah same kind of deal then and i think that's the way to do it i mean so you can keep hunting otherwise everyone's helping one guy is that what you're going to do with your goats to turn them into pack goats no i i need different goats for that these little (laughs) mini goats don't work well (laughs) (laughs) we definitely should train one to carry uh dead birds well, you know, as soon as we scare one, though, they're going to fall over and faint. <laughs> <laughs> the first few shotgun blasts will be hilarious. I'm, oh. working, I'm working on my grazing management with those goats. <laughs> is, that what we're, is that what we're calling it? Oh, yeah, grazing management. What's the, what's the AUNs on the front yard of the yeah. lodge? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're, we're working on fencing, too. <laughs> We got some pets and work to do. AUM is Animal Unit Month. Yeah. Um, and what else you got for him, Butters? Well, I had a question for you guys. You guys seem to be doing this whole New Year, New Me challenge. Oh, yeah. New Year, New Me, no do, son. All right, what are you... Well, just a second here. Let's let's go back to uh, Butters. Uh-huh. What are you doing for the New Year? Um, being myself. Oh. <laughs> again, because I was so good this year, I might as well do it again next year. You see what I'm saying? There's a new you for 2022. If you're doing it right, hey, why if you, change it? If you don't, if you don't set your goals to go somewhere, you're going nowhere. Have you ever heard that one? Well, no, I haven't. That makes sense. <laughs> All right, so Jason and I, we're uh, we got a challenge going. And uh, I'm obviously a goal setter. I I love setting goals. So I set quarterly goals. And uh, I'm doing a, well, I don't know how long he's doing it. I guess until I take his money. But uh, we have a little side bet going here about how long we can go without soda. And uh, he has one exception in the agreement. But I'm going to go, I'm going to go a long time without some soda. So I love Mountain Dew. So do I. Always loved Mountain Dew. And for his birthday, I bought a, the whole Cubby's gas station, which is also in Pender, a <laughs> grocery store. 
yeah. of Mountain Dew cans. It was about $140 in Mountain Dew. And I uh, unboxed them all and put them all in his office. I'm still finding them. <laughs> but I'm going to put them in your office. Yeah, and so how many t- totes? Oh, so we had three, four. We had five totes that we filled full of Mountain Dew. There had to be over 200 cans of Mountain Dew. I mean, if you just do the math. But I'm still finding them in my filing cabinets. And <laughs> I, I, I hit them everywhere. They and everywhere. just covered his whole office in them. And so um, tomorrow, January 1st, we are going no Mountain Dew. And I, no soda. No, no soda. No soda. And I did the most damage on that Mountain Dew, trying to get sick of it. <laughs> I, I think I've been drinking like six a day for the last two weeks. You have not drank six a day. Uh, it's been close. You well, it'll be good for you then. It's going to. Yeah, this I'm, is gonna clean tom- your engine tomorrow. I'm going to be very, very crumpy, very well, spicy. You might need to just take a uh, caffeine pill or two. Or three. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've got a brand new coffee pot, so. <laughs> Hey, because you would not drink coffee. Yeah, no, normally, yep. if I have my option to drink coffee or Mountain Dew, I'm going to drink Mountain Dew, unless it's really, really cold out. Then you drink coffee. Then I'll drink coffee. But So the wager <laughs> is 250 bucks For whoever breaks. Whoever breaks first. I did let you have an exception. Why don't you? I'm not going to do the exception because I, I don't care for diet soda, but um, he asked about mixed drinks, and I said, well, it's soda. He said, I do not like beer. I hate, I don't drink beer. So, I can only have a diet drink when it is mixed with liquor. But, uh, to so be you're fair, I be drunk all day long. I don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you're getting, no. no. But I, I barely drink to begin with. This is true. Okay, I, so I, 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 I'm okay with that because uh, I know that you enjoy that with some clients having a cocktail. You know the worst part is? What's that? Half the time it's not even a cocktail. I act like I'm making a cocktail. It's just Coke. Well, now you don't have to. Now, yeah, now I have to put <laughs> liquor in it so I can enjoy a Diet Coke. Yeah, and you're not, a, you're, not a, um, you're not a tea drinker? No. Okay. Water, obviously. Water. A lot of water. I'll be drinking some Gatorades. Okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we said no soda, so... If you, I'm not, I'm actually just going to do, you know, everything. I'm going to try to just clean up. But there's actually some decent, um, decent drinks, like some of those uh, lemonades and stuff like that. That's not a bad option. No, what, no, time out, time out. Have you looked at a lemon, like a l- I'm lemonade I'm not saying bottle? they're healthy. I'm not saying they're They're healthy. just as bad as Mountain Dew. Right. I'm not saying they're healthy. If, I'm just saying okay. they don't have carbonation. <laughs> what does carbonation they, do? No, I'm just saying that they don't have the caffeine <laughs> it's, and the carbonation. That's it's it. the high fructose corn syrup. Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> the sugar. Okay, well, I didn't know we can do lemonade. I'm not doing it. I'm not okay. doing it. I'm not doing it. All right, I'm sticking with still Gatorades and coffee. Okay. Tomorrow, I, I know Austin. Austin. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> for what? Tomorrow. I'm not going to be around you for the next <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> you think it's good. Hey, who's your money on? Um, obviously, Trent. <laughs> First of all, I'm, and I'm not saying that you can't go without Pop. I just think I think you're going to buy out. I think you're going to look at it and you're going to say, oh, is it worth is 250 it worth it? And I, I, the, give it, I give it to about January 31st. Oh, you give me a whole month. I'll, I give yeah, it I to Vegas. Vegas. Oh, son of a bitch. 
Vegas is going to be tough. And and you don't have to worry about Mountain Dew in Vegas. There's not very much Mountain Dew in Vegas. No. It's just all the all the soda. All the soda. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. I'm I'm excited about it. I I really uh I like it too much. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I just I I don't like when when I like something, when I crave something and I love Mountain Dew. Like I love it. So, it's going to be good for me. He and Trent has a whole Mount Dew process. Like he doesn't just enjoy a good Mountain Dew out of the canner bottle. <laughs> he gets his Mountain Dew, he puts it in a cup, mm-hmm. a and process. then sticks it in the freezer for about fifteen minutes so it's that perfect slushiness. And then he gets it out and enjoys it. Yeah, it, it takes almost an hour, but it's <laughs> <laughs> that's how good. That's He's how. got a whole Mountain Dew setup. Oh, it's so good. You know, ever since they had those slushy machines with Mountain Dew, that's how I was like. I can make my own. <laughs> uh, but I used to quit. I mean, I, I always um, I got out of pop when I was wrestling in college and stuff. So this will be the first time I've just like cold turkey. How? Usually, usually I would uh, say no mountain, no soda on the week, and I don't. As you guys know, I don't drink a lot either, and so. A Mountain Dew to me is almost like an enjoying like a social beer with somebody, and that's the one thing I'll I'll lack. I'll kind of miss a little bit, but I'm I'm fine. It'll be good. How long do you think you can go without? A year. You think you can go a year? Yeah. Well, I, I will go a year. I'm not. It's not about uh, how you long will go a year. All right. Unless somebody, unless somebody tricks me. I'm not gonna. I I will not. We're not gonna do that. I will okay. not. Yeah. Hey, try you. this. Try this. No, I'm not gonna do that. That's, now, that's not. Fair. I will tell you. One of these days, there is going to be a slushy Mountain Dew on your desk. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Let's start scouting fine. out Mountain Dew slushy machines. I'll um, go halfies oh, with you. I'll go halfies oh, with you. We'll stick one of those in the office. Teeter, uh, teeter doesn't like soda that much, but uh, I somebody, I know Nate would drink the Mountain Dews, oh, so he'll be getting uh, donations. He'll be getting a lot of Mountain Dew. <laughs> what, yeah, what is, you only drink Sprite? And root beer, mm-hmm. and you don't drink it past noon. No, I'll drink. I'll drink a root beer or a sprite past noon. Just not caffeine. Not caffeine, because caffeine does bother you. Bad. I get bad migraines. Oh, I've never get, never had that. <laughs> no, I, I get migraines if I don't have caffeine. I'll tell you this much. I could have a. I could have a Mountain Dew. Ten minutes before I went to bed. I mean, obviously, brush my teeth, but <laughs> I'll take a Mountain Dew to bed. Oh. I will. No, I got yeah. a buddy that does milk. And, um, takes milk to bed. I'm thinking he takes milk. <laughs> it turns into cheese. <laughs> I heard. Uh, I heard a comedian say this one time, but I, I drink caffeine like I do hard drugs, only every once in a while, so the effects hit harder. <laughs> No, I, no, 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 I don't do hard drugs, but that's just what a comedian you, said. You got me going. Whoa. <laughs> no, 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 no. I get it, though. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, anything else you're changing for the new year? Uh, nope. I'm just going to be a healthier me. I'm, I'm almost 40, 39 years old as of December 6th, and uh, I want to be the best I've felt this year, this whole year. So, I'm going to really uh, hit the workout. I'm going to try to really... Uh, Feel good about taking my shirt off this summer. I, I my it's goal is like summer. twenty pounds. Yep. And I guarantee I'm going to lose that all just off the pop. I was just going to say it's, it's all going to be pop. It's that sugar, man. It's uh, you know, it's just not good for us. And like you said, it's like eating a hamburger every time you crack one of those cans open. It's it becomes a satisfaction habit too. You know, just it is. So I'm excited. How about you, Butters? Anything? Uh, You're not going to do anything. 
What is there to do? No, we're going to be in, setting goals. I'm going to work on him. I yeah, am in my peak of my existence right now. Body looking good. I'm not afraid to take my shirt off. I'll take it off right now and run <laughs> to the office. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, no, I'll probably work on something. You don't, like, what about um, Try to build professional something. goals? Um, How about this new uh, venture? Yes, I want to start expanding in... Um, so for those that don't know, we run an FFL out here. What's sure, FFL? Sure Shot Sporting. FFL is a federal firearms license. It is what allows us to sell guns, transfer guns, and what we are currently just now starting working on guns. A um, little bit of gunsmithing. Nothing major. We can do minor repairs. We could do stuff as far as replacing internal parts, but we're not going to be welding frames together or replacing cracked stocks we can get you a, a we can replace stocks but we can't um repair or refurbish wood and we're not doing like lacquer work right well uh w- we have a place that we can work with on that but you know mm-hmm. one thing i'd just say too is um anything we can get a part for once mm-hmm. you say that we're kind of mm-hmm. all for it like we had a shotgun come in and the the company is actually not um, manufacturing guns anymore so it was tough to find parts for it but i found that um, a certain model of Franke had the exact same firing pins. And so got those ordered. and So we're able to do what we can, I guess. Cool. But so you want to expand on that? Yep. yep. And uh, gun sales? Gun, gun sales, sales, yep. Cool. Awesome. You got a professional goal? Professional goal? Yeah. Make all you guys more money this year. And you know how he's going to do that? Taking me to Vegas. Nah, <laughs> going to Vegas. How about you, Jay? So, what? What about uh, this next year? So, <clears throat> I think my goal is. This is just a, this is small. Hold, hold up one second. No, you, I don't you, think this you, is going to be my goal. You lost me. I think. Yeah, he hates that word. So, I believe I can do it. I'll try. No, you lost me at try. I never said try. Okay. I said I believe I can do it. I changed my phrase to go up there <laughs> with Mark. Um, Yellow Lab Mark, uh, Austin's Donnie's brother. Um, I'm going to turn him into a waterfowl dog, mm-hmm. and I'm going. I want to send him down to Texas to a buddy, have him guide with him for two weeks, and we're going to have a fully finished waterfowl dog. That's you know well diversified in all areas. I want to see the money I can make off this dog. Yep. Hey, you make him a robot. He'll do. He'll he'll bring a lot of money. That's that's one. Um, trying to get Trent to buy me a drone so I can work on longer marks. Uh, we, we have uh, the drone. Can it drop dummies? I haven't seen the adapt the adapter. The adapter. <laughs> but we have a drone. Oh, we do. Okay, so we got to figure out <laughs> the adapter. Doken makes one, but it's fifteen hundred dollars. Oh, there's um, anybody that would like to sponsor this venture? Just yes, anyone that wants, wants to sponsor the venture, I need a. I need fifteen hundred dollars for the Doken drone that drops bumpers from the air. Come and, on, and you'll let them train with you. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'll yes, I'll, I'll yes. I have somebody in mind. Who? He might listen. Let's see if he knows who it is. He oh. might be calling you. He might be calling me. Um, and then I got one, two, three, four. I think like eight dogs. We're gonna get juniors. And maybe senior titles on. You'll like that. That's going to be fun for you. Back in the test game. Yep. <laughs> don't be afraid to, um, obviously we're conversing here, but don't be afraid to go up north and down south for them too. 
you can expand your season a little bit. It's hard just in Nebraska. There's only there's only four tests a year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you got to really open the box a little bit. Go up north or go down south. Um, Oklahoma. Minnesota, I can't believe can't believe how packed Minnesota is. Lots. It's a big test state, but there's so. No, is it just because that's the trainers are moving with the weather? Yeah, that's why. That's why they have so much public ground too. So most every test you see up there is on a public lake or public ground, and the trainers are going up north to get away from the heat. Have we ever held tests out here? Nope. We don't have the water that uh, you'd need for a master. That makes sense. What about, did we you use to run trials? Nope. Not a, uh, they have done, uh, I think they've had a couple NAVDA test out here before i was here since i've been here this 15th season i'm i've been here we have never hosted a a sanctioned akc event um i believe we did during one of the small munsterlander um groups we had a natural ability with nafta but we did not and that was a, a testing but we didn't have anything with akc what happens once again we're not going to be with akc but in the field on a retriever challenge do it i think you should sanction your own the in the field retriever challenge. i think it would be i've always said this i really think a cool test would be a little bit of upland a little bit of waterfowl and then a little bit of obedience like really mix it up like and then like you, true hunting scenarios though. for sure actually do in the in the obedience i'm saying Start your dog at the field. In, instead of like the the tournament hunts that you see, is like some of these dogs. Sometimes the most crazy, obnoxious, just balls to the wall dog is the one winning it. But that dog doesn't know how to sit. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't know how to heal. It barks nonstop. There's things that need to go to just get that all around dog. And I'd love to see an upland. Uh, also, um, the waterfowl aspect of it, if it's a waterfowl dog, and then the be- obedience. It'd be cool to just do a all-around test. You could even do your, uh, you know, for fun, you could do dock jumpers, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But just get get that whole all-around uh, dog um, sanctioned event. I think it'd be really cool to call your blind. You have blinds out from one to five hundred yards. That would be tough. And you, but you get to pick your blind. Yeah, and there's. Your points better go points. better, better points. points with it, and we'll see who can pull off a 500-yard retrieve. That'd be pretty cool. There'd be guys that do it, though. Those field trial dogs are un- unbelievable. They say that's why you force fetch your dog, so yeah. you can dig in and get that extra 100. Well, Butters, you got anything before we jump off here? Nope. We excited? I'm super excited. New year? Podcast every other week? Every, every week we're going to pull this off. My editing guy, Corbin, giving you a shout out. Um, let's. I know you're in grad school. I know you got some really cool things going on. You're recently married. I don't know if you're planning for kids soon, but... Keep practicing. This, pra- he's definitely practicing. <laughs> keep this rolling with us. Um, disregard that comment of the other producer who quoted me. Um, <laughs> please uh, please let's keep this rolling and uh, we'll keep it good for you anyone out there listening uh we're gonna start taking sponsorships if you're interested give me a call and i'll send you out a flyer with all our info what's your what's your number and your email uh email is jace 
J-A-S-E, at PheasantBonanza.com. You can call or text me at 402-870-0887. And I'm going to go enjoy Mountain Dew before the new year. I'm going to enjoy six. I'm going to get sick of them tonight. <laughs> Maybe I should just drink them with Amarillo tonight to celebrate the new year. Throw them up. There then, you go. Then I hate them. There you go. Oh, that would be bad. No, it would be so bad. Double shit. Austin's really going to think I'm crumpy or spicy like in the said, morning. I am going to lock myself in my office away from you <laughs> every chance I get for the next two weeks. It's been oh. a good year, guys. Let's yes. make 22 better. even better. I know. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next year. This is the In the Field Podcast brought to you by Pheasant Bonanza. Oh, 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 oh